The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. More than 40% of people in their 40s and 50s have both an aging parent and a child under the age of 21. Caring for people in multiple generations demands time, love, attention, and more. Welcome to Caught Between Generations with your host, Dr. Merrill Griff. Our program will bring you the information you need as a family caregiver for everyone for whom you care, with guest experts and resources to help you keep sane and organized. Now, here is Dr. Merrill Griff. Welcome to Caught Between Generations. This is Dr. Merrill. And today we're going to be discussing technology, how it helps, how it helps you as a caregiver, how it helps you to care for seniors, how it helps you to care for yourself. Now, I really have to be honest here and admit to you that personally, I have a love-hate relationship with technology. You know, I love being able to enter an address into my iPhone, and it provides me with a set of directions, and I can just drive wherever I want to go to. On the other hand, I hate watching families sitting at dinner in a restaurant and either the parent or the child or both sits through the entire meal reading their email, looking at Facebook or whatever they're doing. But what they're certainly not doing is communicating with each other. Actually, I was just in a restaurant the other night where for one hour, people just sat and and read whatever they were reading on their iPhones. It was amazing to me. So I love some of the new advances that make caregiving easier by being able to monitor a senior or monitor a child. But on the other hand, I wonder how I would feel if I knew I was being monitored. So personally, I think of this as an invasion of my privacy. You know, one of my friends said, oh, I absolutely disagree with that, Merrill. You know, I would feel safer and that my family really cared for me if they were monitoring me and wanted to know how I was doing. So there we are. We have pros, we have cons, and we have new emerging things that actually we think will really, really help us. So today we're very fortunate. We have two of the world's finest experts, and they really are on existing and emerging technologies. I've interviewed both of them before and was so impressed by their knowledge and understanding of the issues associated with technology that I have asked them to join me again, except this time we get to have both of them for the entire show and both of them to be part of the exchange. This is truly going to be an amazing experience. And believe me, I do not get excited about conversations about technology, usually very easily. But I was so impressed, and I learned so much from both of them the last time. I really wanted to have them back again. So Robin Raskin is the former editor of PC Magazine and editor-in-chief of Family PC. She was part of the startup team at Yahoo Tech and has authored six books about parenting in the digital age. She's the founder and CEO of Living in Digital Times and partners with the Consumer Technology Association to produce 14 different conferences and events that span the life cycle. 
all the way from Kids Play and Mommy Tech to Silver Summit and Digital Health. And she works very closely with who? With our next guest, Stephen Yule, who is also with us today. He's the Executive Director of the Consumer Technology Association Foundation. And the mission of CTA, or Consumer Technology Association, is to link seniors and people with disabilities with technology that can enhance their lives. He's the very first person to hold this position. Stephen also serves on the Board of Directors of Grantmakers in Aging and the Washington Cyber Roundtable. In 2014, he was selected by Dealerscope magazine as one of their top 40 under 40. Welcome to both of you. Hey, thanks. Thank you so much for having us. So, we love being together. Oh, good. <laughs> we do. I love being with you guys. So, Robin, what, what's the newest technology about what you're, you're just very excited about? So I think the thing that are, is going to make the biggest difference in caretakers' lives are um, two things. One is cloud services. And I know that sounds sort of like everybody talks about the cloud, but basically what it means is that you can do things as a caregiver for your family that you don't have to be right there. Uh, so, for example, and, and they're not things just especially for seniors. For example, I order my mom an Uber. My mother doesn't know from Uber. She doesn't have to know anything, but that car will be there to pick her up, and I can watch the progress she makes and know that she's been delivered where she's supposed to be. Um, I can order Netflix, and this is all based on cloud technologies. I know that certain movies are more difficult for her to watch because they're darker colored. I know that subtitles aren't her favorite thing, so I can be very mindful of taking the tech part away from her and making it easy iTunes music, iTunes books. So I am um, have become in many ways the master of her cloud. <laughs> and that is uh, a huge technology that will help all of us uh, as, as caregivers. And then the other thing is you know, the Internet of Things, the fact that, and that really is the fact that everything is digitized and has an IP address. So, for example, your key lock, your, your, your front door lock, or your frying pan, or your toothbrush can all be hooked up to the Internet. So some of that is kind of frivolous and silly, but some of it is really important. If um, I um, am, uh, I, I have a second home, and everything on the second home is the Internet of Things. So I can... I don't have to run there. When it gets cold in the winter, I can control the heat from my apartment. I can control the lighting so it looks like we're home. I can see and be notified if somebody's coming to the door and let them in. I can let service people in. So I have this newfound um, control over my entire life with less of a burden. So those are two areas I'm kind of bullish about. How about you, Steve? You know, you can tell we, we talk quite a bit and, and travel in the same circles because I, I certainly agree with what the things that Robin raised. Uh, and really, I, I was going to dig into smart home technologies, and really that's kind of what Robin was talking about with Internet of Things. But when I look at uh, the smart home technologies, I also look at it from the perspective of the older adult or people with disabilities, and all of a sudden you're putting the control 
of your entire home within the, the palm of someone's hand. So they're able to know, say you're in, in bed late at night and you don't want to get up and, and risk uh, a fall, you can check, is the garage door locked? You can see you know, if someone rings your doorbell uh, in the middle of the night, you can see who's at the door without having to get up. You're able to, um, you know, control the thermostat, control the lights, uh, even get notifications from appliances and other devices along those lines. And then to build on top of that, the, the caregiving aspect of it is uh, kind of what uh, you were raising earlier, Dr. Griff, as far as uh, that privacy versus uh, being able to interact, you're able to give permission to loved ones and caregivers to also be able to access some of these devices and do it in such a way that's beneficial for, excuse me, for the older adult or for the people right. with disabilities. And I, I think there's just a huge possibility uh, in this space. And then the, the other area I'd raise is certainly transportation. Now, Robin raised a great yeah. aspect of uh, the, the sharing economy and what can be done with Uber and Lyft and all of these services along those lines. And then if you want to go you know, a little further down the road as we look at uh, autonomous vehicles and some of the aspects there really for aging and for the blind and low vision communities, those have huge opportunities for independence for those communities. I, I will add in that, you know, I've noticed that my grandchildren um, are are watching Apple TV or Netflix. So what it means is there's no news coming on, um, which is an issue. So, the you know, their parents are able to control the news and there's no commercials coming on. Um, and that makes a big difference in the type of information they're receiving through the television. Um, and, and that's a big thing. The other thing I'll add in, at SarahCare at, at our centers, we um, travel virtually and we tour museums and we learn about science, um, all because we're able to hook these things up to the large screen TV so everyone can see them. So like recently we traveled to Rome and we went to Paris and actually I had a group of men who wanted to learn more about open heart surgery um, and they actually watched an open heart surgery procedure um, which I had to walk out of the room because um, that's why I became a psychologist and not a doctor. I, you know, blood doesn't do well for right. me. So, but it was, it was fascinating. It really was. So, well, when you look at the opportunities yeah. with virtual reality and augmented reality that is coming, the opportunity to not just be able to watch that on the large screen now, but really to immerse yourself in these environments and be able to see what that doctor is seeing firsthand or tour a museum, not just with a, a telepresence robot or, or something that was pre-recorded, uh, which are, are amazing opportunities now, but there's a lot of opportunities in, in the VR and AR spaces now um, to really bring that to life. And whether it is visiting family members or touring uh, sites around the world, uh, I think we'll see quite a bit uh, in that space emerge over the next few years. Yeah. Steve and I, while well, we love technology, we don't want to make it sound like this is all a bed of roses. <laughs> a bunch of things have to happen. Um, the most important thing is the discussion that you have to have with your family about how to use technology and not have it use you, especially with older generation, to be careful of scams and people who say, hey, I'm Microsoft, I've noticed a problem with your computer, now give me your social security number. Um, so we need to have these conversations about 
what we're doing. I mean, I, w- I don't think neither Steve or I are saying advocating like putting in something stealth in your parents' house and not telling them. <laughs> um, and by the way, to your opening question, what I always tell my mom when I give her this stuff is, Mom, you're doing it for me, not for you. You don't need it. I do. <laughs> so it kind of, I turn the table a little bit and say, this will help me not feel, uh, not, not, not be so nervous. So that's one. And the second thing is the infrastructure that you need. These things are not trivial to install. Um, you put in a, um, an, in a door lock that is responsive to your smartphone. You've got to put the app on your smartphone. You've got to program it for how you want it. There are now more and more services that are actually advertising themselves as people that will come into your home and help you make your home smarter. And I think that's going to be hugely important um, because um, that's the part that we're missing now. The technology is really there. Um, you can buy a frying pan and it can alert you if you've left it on when you leave the house, but it's pretty hard to make that all happen programmatically with, with your phone and set it up. So that's the next step that really has to happen. It's very interesting to me because I had never thought about, I do have a second home, and I never thought about the fact, for instance, that I could check on things there, I could, so whether it's your own second home or your parents' second home, um, you could check on things, you could let people in the door, simple things like um, deliveries, even meals sometimes, and help coming into the house. It's so much easier if you could let them in, and the person, either with disabilities or seniors, do not have to get up uh, and let them in the door. It's really interesting. Right. We're gonna... It doesn't have to be a secret. I mean, when we have people come in to work on our house, we say, hey, you know what? We have cameras in the house. You ought to be aware. Like, you know, don't pick your nose or whatever you're going to do. You know, <laughs> so we, we're, we're pretty honest and upfront. We don't mean it as a spying tool, but it has saved us thousands of dollars and, and, and aggravation by, by doing things like that. And then the family closeness. Uh, Steve will tell you that, um, you know, the loneliness in aging is, is, is serious. So uh, we actually have a family event coming up this weekend, and we wrote a family song, and we rehearsed last night using Google Hangouts. And, yes, it took everybody a while to figure out how to get in, but to see uh, 10 of us online rehearsing a song in little video windows, <laughs> and the kids had fun, the grown-ups had fun, Robin, I'm going to ask you, we have to take a quick break. I'm going to ask you to hold your thought about kids um, because when we come back, we're going to talk to you a little bit about what you call location-based parenting. It's going to be, it's a really interesting discussion. Stay with us. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. At Sarah Care, we provide daytime activities and health related care for seniors who need assistance and support during the day. It is 101 activities and home by dinner. While we pride ourselves on the quality of our care, the Sarah Care Way sees beyond your loved one's needs to understand them as a unique individual. We care for individuals with chronic diseases, memory loss, stroke, Parkinson's disease, or those who may be feeling depressed and isolated. Our program is designed to encourage seniors to remain involved in activities of their choice, customized to meet their interests and abilities. 
Our outings include lunch at favorite restaurants and trips to the movies, concerts, or shopping at a cost that is less than five hours of in-home care. Your family member can attend one of our centers all day and be cared for by professional nurses and activity assistants. Transportation and financial assistance is available. Call 1-800-472-5544 today to learn how Sarah Care can help or visit us on the web at sarahcare.com. That's S-A-R-A-H care.com. The root causes of disease can be better prevented and cured using an integration of modern medicine and holistic healing techniques. Become educated by tuning in to Generation Regeneration with Sandra Guy Malhotra. Conventional medicine does have its place, but it should not be the only course of action. It's all about regenerating and healing our whole selves through better choices in lifestyle, foods, spiritual connection, and stress management. Tune in every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. to Caught Between Generations. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Merrill at caughtbetweengenerations.com. Now, back to the show. This is Dr. Merrill, and you've been listening to Robin Raskin and Stephen Yule discuss the role of technology with seniors and also those with disabilities. So, Robin, before the break, I refer to technology that you call location-based parenting. Can you explain this? Yeah, and it can be um, either on the caregiver side for aging uh, uh, parents or it can be for your kids. But the idea is that... There's a device that you typically wear, either on your wrist or pinned to your backpack, and it's got um, GPS um, coordinates, so it knows your location. So, um, if 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 a device knows your location, um, it tell it, it's connected via uh, Bluetooth to your smartphone and to anybody else's smartphone that you invite in. So as the parent of a child, I can give them, oh, uh, LG makes a kid's um, GPS bracelet, Samsung makes one. Uh, there are a couple of uh, ones made just for children's size. There's something called Tracker. There's a number of these, but the idea is always the same, that you put this wearable on the, and it knows your your coordinates, and it can tell the people you invite in. Um, there's even a version that comes in a hair clip for uh, for dating, so women can uh, inconspicuously wear a hair clip and it tap it, literally tap it, and it will notify the people you set up ahead of time on your smartphone and say, "Hey, I got a problem. Here's where I am." And so, these, this idea of location based. People get scared of it. You are always giving up information. You know, do I want everybody in the world to know where I am all the time? No. But do I want, let's just say American Express, do I want them to know where I am when I'm traveling? So if I'm in Iceland and they get a charge in Shanghai, they they can assume it's fraud. Um, I, 
I don't mind giving certain people my location. So that's the idea between location-based parenting, is having a small group of your loved ones and the people who your trusted business partners know your location and use that information to help you. And many of the wearable devices are using that now. Um, so, for example, there, there are for people who have allergies, there are air pollution detectors that know your location, know when the air quality is bad, and will alert you to go inside or roll up your car windows. So, are you giving them information? Yes. Are you telling Google where you are when you use Google Maps? Yes. But you're also getting where you want to go. <laughs> so, that's the trade-off. You know, it would seem to me, well, actually, it doesn't seem to me. I've used this before because um, I always get back to the issue of my grand, my grandchildren, and that is when I take them someplace that's crowded and there's a lot of people. Um, you know, when I took them to Disney or we go to a street fair or whatever it is, I mean, not that I'm not watching them constantly, but it does give me a degree of security that, you know, how that goes, you know, two seconds you look away and then suddenly they're gone. Um, so it allows you, I think, to have some degree of security, um, that you can find them pretty quickly if they dart or they go. So I think it's I think it's good, and the same thing with seniors who have some degree of dementia, um, because they're wandering, and it, it becomes an, an issue. So you bring up the point of where does that data go, and who has that data? I mean, and that's a that's a point. Either Robin or Stephen, what happens to that data, and is anyone using it in a productive way that would help us? Sure, I, I, I can. Go ahead, Steve. Oh, no, no, no go, uh, go ahead, Robin. So the productive way is pretty simple. I wear this band, and it knows about me. It knows about my heartbeat. It knows about my calorie intake. It knows about the steps I take. It knows about where I am. On the back end, that data is being aggregated. So you, when you read studies like um, uh, Washington, D.C. is the fittest city in America, some company you can bet is aggregating that data, one of the fitness trackers, and seeing who's walked the most steps. You know, and that's a for example. So if you want to look at places where heart disease is um, most likely uh, to to occur, and look at some of the correlations between the environment and heart disease, that's where these things are going to help you. So right now, your personal information becomes part of the aggregate of data that people are using for all sorts of reasons. What we have to do, and the reason we need to understand this, is we need to make sure they're using it for the right reasons, not the wrong reasons. They can get great information, or they can really use this to um, um, harm people. <laughs> well, but Robin, who guards the guards? I mean, that's always the, the old argument about that. I mean, as a researcher, I can understand how getting aggregate data this easily because it's it's much easier all right you're not dependent on people responding to something you know old-fashioned like a survey um would be much much better and would give you much better data um so that you could study health trends and other types of trends that would be critical for us um on the other hand who decides what data goes to who and who gets to keep it and what they do with it (laughs) um it's a really good question, and you are 
right now are well are the United States laws and regulations lag way behind what the technology is capable of so one answer is there needs to be some um, regulation whether it's FTC or FCC kind of set on these um, emerging technologies another answer is um, that we crowd police these things you take 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 Facebook as an example you know if there's a bullying issue if people get on Facebook's case and say, help us solve this issue, this is a problem, or if there's a suicide attempt problem, people have more power as a collective body than they th- than you think. Um, and everybody's testing. If you look at the case now with Peter Thiel and Gawker, the right to freedom of speech and what you can say and what's defamation is all being tested, private versus public. So... It's never changed since the beginning of history. We've been debating this. The technologies just amplify the discussion, I think. And I think a lot of it depends on the, the product you're talking about and exactly what the, the settings are. are. And in many cases, it does allow consumers to uh, go in and control who has access to uh, what data. It really depends on the, the product that you're looking at. Right. Right. So, St- Stephen, I want to. We have about uh, four minutes, and and I want to quickly get this question to you, um, because I want to talk about Star Wars and I want to talk about robots. All right. Okay. So, <laughs> I love robots. So, how far along are we with robots in helping people uh, with disabilities? Sure. Well, it really depends on what you're talking about, as far as. Uh, you know, defining robots. There's a, a variety of different types of robots. We've had, you know, Roomba vacuum cleaners in the home for years uh, now. We've certainly seen uh, telepresence robots. In, in many cases, those are being used in, in a workplace, but as you mentioned, the, the opportunity to use those in museums and, and places along those lines um, as ways to move about and, uh, you know, be in a presence uh, virtually uh, is certainly a, a, an opportunity for robots. But I think a, a lot of what people are thinking of when they're talking about robots, they're looking for the, the Rosie the Robot uh, 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 you know, the, the whole home caregiver. And it, it's interesting. We've seen a number of innovations uh, in robotics at CES the last few years. Uh, in fact, uh, Robin uh, ha- has had uh, robot fashion shows at, uh, at CES and just recently at uh, uh, CES Asia. So uh, she certainly uh, knows many of these uh, firsthand. And it's amazing to see the ways people are taking um, and looking at different opportunities for robotic caregivers um, but it's really kind of a, a lot of um, a lot of different attempts. Some of it is more socialization focused uh, at this point. So um, there's been a number of products, uh, you know, like the the Paro Seal that is really uh, meant as kind of a caregiving robot. It, it, it's really. Uh, helps to to calm people down and connect with it. Uh, You also have devices that uh, are more like, you know, basically an Amazon Echo style device that uh, you can talk to it, get answers to to different questions, be able to connect with uh, other people uh, through the devices. So there's a a wide variety of different types of robotics. Uh, You know, Robin, do you want to share some of what you saw recently at your show? Yeah, um, there are... As Steve said, you know, there are, there are so many, uh, different kinds. I mean, even a drone is a robot. But the one I loved, um, is actually called Budgie and, and the one our audience loved. You wear a little bracelet 
that um, talks to the robot. The robot basically is a shopping cart on wheels that uh, with an iPad head. <laughs> so <laughs> it can walk along with you, and, and you just drop your things in the basket. It scans the price. It tells you how much money you've spent. You check out, and it follows you home because it follows your bracelet. There was another one called Cower Robot, uh, but Samsung makes one also where it's luggage that follows you around. You don't have to pull it anywhere. Um, it just follows you because you've got the bracelet that's talking to it. So I love this idea of taking simple things like that and making them um, making them available. And as Steve said about Alexa, this idea of using your voice, there are going to be a number of products this year that you'll be able to talk to instead of type to, and that is going to make a huge difference for many um uh, for uh, the accessibility community, for the aging community, for the young community, for people who uh, use their voice rather, voice detection is that good now that, um, um, you know, the worst thing that's going to happen is you're going to say, okay, Google, and, and you know, Google's going to think you're talking to it and not the person next to you. So, but voice as a way to talk to these machines is going to be huge and feel really natural. And that I think is it's going to make. We've seen uh, a massive improvement in the quality of, of voice interactions over the last decade or so, um, and, and it really does continue to innovate, especially as we have now more interactions. Uh, it feeds that data back in and, and continues to improve. So whether you're talking to Siri or Cortana or Google or Alexa or all these other types of devices, uh, it's really a, an interesting interface uh, for interactions on top of other ways that people can interface with our devices. After our break, when we come back, we're going to be talking to Robin and to Stephen a little bit about some issues. Um, and Robin began to talk about this a little bit when she was discussing how parents need to control the technology uh, for their children. So we're going to be discussing parental control. We're talking about adult children control. Um, things like social media and cyberbullying and how we let others into our lives. Stay tuned. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. How's your husband now that he can't quite take care of himself? Or how's your wife now that getting around isn't as easy as it used to be? You'd know if your spouse was at Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. A full day of customized activities and their home by dinner. And nursing care that's right there with them. How's your spouse? Just fine. At Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. Try it for free. Call 330-451-6108 for one free day of care at Sarah Care. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. 
Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Do you feel that you aren't at your best when it comes to your personal health? Even if your doctor gives you a clean bill of health and says everything is in working order, perhaps you aren't feeling at the top of your game. Dr. Rebecca Risk overcame pain and fatigue despite all tests to the contrary. Learn how she put her health back on track and how you can too on Falling Through the Cracks. Live every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Listening to Caught Between Generations. To reach our program today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Dr. Merrill at CaughtBetweenGenerations.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Court Between Generations. I'm Dr. Merle, and we have with us today Robin Raskin and Stephen Ewell. And before the break, I said that actually we were going to be talking about um, the pros and cons of technology, how it helps us, how it hurts us, and the issues around social media. But actually, while we were offline, we began talking about a very, very interesting study that Consumer Technology Association just completed on active aging. And and I think it's so important that I really want to share it with you. So, Stephen, can you define active aging for us and talk a little bit about that recent study? Sure. Thank you. Uh, Really appreciate it. And yeah, this was a a collaboration that uh, the CTA Foundation and and CTA worked together on to look at the active aging market. And we we very specifically chose the, the phrase active aging because we really wanted to embrace that you know, a- aging is not just, you know, in many cases, especially when you're looking at uh, the, the ways, you know, charitable organizations portray aging, it's very much a, you know, how do we help people in, in, in great need, but we know that people aging throughout the United States and around the world are really on, on a large spectrum. Uh, and so we looked at uh, a population of about 85 million Americans when you include both the, the older adult population but also their caregivers um, and the ways that they're able to utilize technology to remain active and independent. And, and we really saw, you know, one, as we approached the, the technology industry and, and looked to be able to share with them that it's a, a $24.4 billion market in, in 2015. And we actually expect it will grow to uh, about $42.7 billion by 2020. So it's not only an area where the technology is helping people uh, significantly, but it is also an area that we want to make sure that industry recognize the, the opportunity here uh, for them to, to focus on these populations. And we really looked at a variety of different types of technologies, some of which we've talked about already in the show, but breaking it down really into how technology helps with uh, safety and smart living, how it helps with health and remote care, and then how it helps with uh, wellness and fitness. So, you know, really within that, there's a whole breakdown of various services and technologies that we've looked at, but um, it is, um, you know, really kind of an interesting market that we see uh, for a significant and growing population in the U.S. And people can certainly find more about that study 
uh, at ctafoundation.tech, uh, and there's information on the, the homepage there that will take them right to uh, the report uh, about the, the study that we did. So yeah. I think what, what's so important about that study, Steve, and you just hit it, is it gives people a framework to think about these products. You know, it's something to say, oh, how can I help, uh, you know, growing old, but now you can start to think of it. Is it preventative? Is it adhering to a medical regimen? Is it my fitness? Is it my home? It gives you a way to think about all these products and start to categorize them. And I know that's the question we get asked the most are things like, I need help with vision or I need help with hearing or I forget to take my meds. What can I do? And the study goes a long way to identifying that framework. Stephen, I have a question then because I I think that's a really, really good point, Robin. So the things that I see at Seracare, the primary problems that families are dealing with are, number one, isolation, um, depression um, is a big issue. And the second issue is that problems don't get identified when they're small problems. They become big, big problems, and then we have a serious issue at hand. If I could have identified it when it was a much smaller problem, you know, we could have intervened a lot sooner. Um, does that connect with any of the study or any of the technology that you're seeing? Yes, and I think actually it's interesting because I think those two problems actually go hand in hand because mm-hmm. in many cases it's the isolation that can lead to missing small problems until they become much larger problems. So, you know, one of the the programs that our foundation has worked with is focused on uh, low-income homebound seniors and helping them uh, connect to a virtual senior center for for people who can't leave uh, their homes. Um, And it's amazing to see the turnaround that some fairly basic technologies can have uh, just by being able to see and talk and interact with other people uh, of the, the same age group or, or uh, similar backgrounds uh, from across the U.S. And, and we have um, quite a bit of, of interaction from groups in New York and San Diego and Chicago and Baltimore, and I think they're just getting set up in Pittsburgh now. Um, so we're really seeing uh, technologies in that social isolation and, and uh, connection market uh, have a a, a real significant impact. And then as far as being able to help caregivers to interact, we're seeing a number of services uh, that have been getting a lot of attention recently uh, to help uh, with both the the caregiving companies as well as helping the the families and the loved ones uh, interact with uh, caregivers as well, whether professional caregivers or or family and other caregivers. So uh, I see a, a lot of attention going into the space now. But what, who's going to pay for that? I mean, I think most of us, when we think of technology, we think of things that are expensive. Um, these are great products, but it, it, it would seem that they would be very expensive. And, and how are people going to, going to be able to afford these things? So it's, it's so great that you bring that up, Merle, because the um, long-term, uh, long-term cost of health care and the economics of our system as we all know, are so messed up. So if you can save, so for example, my daughter, who's a millennial, works in a company where if she walks a certain number of steps a day, they all get fitness bands, she gets a reduction in her health care insurance payments. How great is that? 
you know, her company is investing in her health. So um, I think you're going to see more and more companies. I think you're going to see hospitals and uh, outpatient programs giving people monitoring devices. I think doctors are going to start to make these types of devices available because long-term, it is the only way to cut down the cost of healthcare. And I'll also add that the fact that many of these uh, features are being built into general consumer electronic devices helps to a great deal. And the fact that many of these devices in the past have been very uh, niche markets where uh, the, the size of the market just hasn't allowed the economy of scale to bring down the prices, whereas when you're building some of this into interacting with your phone or with your tablet or with other devices in the home, um, that enables many of these costs to come down uh, much further right. than they might have in the past and, and provide some real opportunities. And you know, certainly when we look at even some of the, the smart home costs and things along those lines, that's an area where, um, yes, it, it can be an initial investment, but if you're talking about the the change in price between being able to allow someone to stay at home for even just you know an extra year or two versus moving into more uh, long-term care, uh, given the, the cost differences, um, sometimes that, that investment can really uh, help to uh, help the family and help the, the loved ones uh, with those costs. Stephen, we only have a few minutes before the next break. So has any thought been given, or maybe this has already been done, for the disability community or seniors, whichever, on adopted controls? Because I, I hear what you're saying about the iPad and the phone, but I'm thinking about all the people I work with who have problems with fine motor. Um, and some of these things are difficult for them. They Visually, they can't see it. It's not large enough. Their fine motor doesn't allow them to you know, punch in what they need to punch in. Is there any movement in that area? Oh, without a doubt. And that's an area that, you know, one, companies are are certainly paying a lot of attention to that and looking at ways to continue to adapt. Uh, In fact, I'm uh, getting ready to host a a panel with uh, um, some of the chief accessibility people from places like, you know, Microsoft and IBM and Facebook and talking about interfaces. So that's certainly a a big aspect. But also looking at some of the nonprofits we work with, there's an organization called Bridging Apps uh, that actually spends uh, their time looking at various applications and interfaces and identifying what can help people with different disability needs of all ages uh, identify the apps that could best meet their needs. There's even organizations like there's one called Able Gamers, which will help people with disabilities uh, play video games, which you know, really actually helps with that social connection. And they get people from all over the country of all ages uh, interacting and getting online and being able to work regardless of mobility or other uh, disability needs. I'm thrilled to hear that because that's that's always been the problem um, that I hear a lot. Either I can't see it or I can't hear it or tactilely touch, you know, I can't touch it. So when those companies do that, are they doing that in cooperation with, let's say, clinicians and or consumers? Is that, are they at the table working on that with them? 
In many cases, yes. The, the, especially the bigger companies are really working with different members of the disability community, of the aging community, to engage them in that discussion. And that's something that we hear a lot from, uh, especially from the small and mid-sized businesses, of finding ways that they can do that. Because in many cases, we've had you know, businesses that are really looking to work with these communities. And, and we've seen them do that outreach and, and try to engage. And there's groups like there's actually a, an organization called Aging 2.0 that works with a lot of startup companies uh, uh, focused on the aging space to engage the uh, senior population with the entrepreneurs. And, and in many cases, the entrepreneurs may be seniors as well um, to be able to look at making sure that the products are really solving the, the need of the population that they're focused on. Great. When we come back, we're going to talk to Robin and Stephen, I promise you we will, um, about suggestions and ideas about controlling uh, technology with children um, and how not to allow, for instance, predators to come into their lives or just how to keep family communication going and, you know, having things like a no cell phone area in your house so that you really are forced to communicate and not text each other, even though you're sitting next to each other. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Sarah Care. We provide daytime activities and health-related care for seniors who need assistance and support during the day. It is 101 activities and home by dinner. While we pride ourselves on the quality of our care, the Sarah Care Way sees beyond your loved one's needs to understand them as a unique individual. We care for individuals with chronic diseases, memory loss, stroke, Parkinson's disease, or those who may be feeling depressed and isolated. Our program is designed to encourage seniors to remain involved in activities of their choice, customized to meet their interests and abilities. Our outings include lunch at favorite restaurants and trips to the movies, concerts, or shopping at a cost that is less than five hours of in-home care. Your family member can attend one of our centers all day and be cared for by professional nurses and activity assistants. Transportation and financial assistance is available. Call 1-800-472-5544 today to learn how Sarah Care can help or visit us on the web at sarahcare.com. That's S-A-R-A-H-Care.com. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Caught Between Generations. To reach our program today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Dr. Merrill at CaughtBetweenGenerations.com. Now, back to the show. 
Welcome back to Caught Between Generations. This is Dr. Merle, and we have been talking to Robin Raskin and Stephen Yule, who are just fabulous guests. They really are. Um, And we've been talking about how technology can really make a positive difference in our lives and really help us. Robin, you and I had a brief conversation about the, the way that parents need to control the technology, and you had some great guidelines for that. Can you share that with us? Yeah, sure. So I, I think one is this is not all or nothing. It's not like, you know, like today you don't drive and tomorrow you have a driver's license. It's sort of like you have a learner's permit. So let out the reins slowly. Don't just say now you can email. You say, now you can email your grandma, you know, and tomorrow you can email two friends. So make it um, build from there. Have constant conversations about this and use yourself as the dummy role model. Uh, it's nothing wrong with calling your kids over and saying, I just got this letter and it really scares me and I want you to see it and tell me what you think. Now you're having a conversation about the darker side of the internet that everybody can benefit from and they understand everybody has this problem. They're not embarrassed to come to you. Third, I would say be a role model. Like, like, when you see, there's nothing sadder than seeing a three-year-old tugging at mommy's skirt going, please pay attention to me and get off that phone. So you are the role model for a, a generation of, of digital users, and it's really important that you exercise some self-control. Um, so I think rules in the household about time, you know, times when things are shut down, um, not having phones at dinner, except when you're having a trivia contest and you can't remember the answer. Um, so, I, you know, I think uh, those sorts of things. So it's really about dialogue, conversation, letting the reins out slowly. This is not a God-given right. This is something you earn the right to use. And if you abuse the online privileges that you have, then they get taken away. You know, if you're watching Netflix instead of doing your homework, you know, there's going to be some some price to pay. So... That's the general philosophy. The other, only other thing I would add to that, and I saw this years ago when I was working with kids, um, and it had to do with food, actually, at that point. And parents would be saying, I will never allow my child to have a cookie, and I will never allow my child to have this. And, and it didn't work because they were at other people's homes where there was lots of cookies and lots of whatever it is that these kids wanted to have. I noticed the same phenomena actually happening in technology where some parents are saying, I won't allow my child to have, you know, access to the computer unless it's sitting in the living room until they're eight years old or, you know, I'm not letting right. them have an iPad. And, and yet they're in another world. They're at school. They're with friends. They have access to these things. Yeah, and I, so I think then, you know, as long as your children are talking to you, if they, you know, they're going to come home and say, but Johnny, mom lets him do it. And, you know, first of all, there's nothing wrong with calling Johnny's mom and saying, hey, is it true you let your kid play violent video games? How do you feel about that? Because there's a likelihood that Johnny's mom has no idea. <laughs> you know, and so there's nothing wrong with that level of involvement where it gets scary is when you can actually make a situation worse. And that happens a lot with cyberbullying. You know, when you call Johnny's mom and say, your child bullied my child, often there are, it's the hardest thing to solve. And actually, I, I, the thing that gives me hope is kids are solving it themselves by ganging up on the bullier and saying, cut that out. This generation, I think because of the internet, are um, 
for, for the most part, except for the outlier, a sec- ex- exceptionally kind and fine-tuned to the hurt that can be caused with this stuff. So I think they kind of take care of each other, the dating stuff, the girl stuff. You know, yeah, but I don't think you should dress like that and take pictures. I've heard teenagers say that to other teenagers, and that gives me confidence <laughs> that we will police each other. And um, so I think parents, as long as you just keep talking to those kids and they feel comfortable telling you about the other families, you're good. Great. So one of the things, actually, that I talk about always at the end of the show is I always ask my listeners, the caregivers, to do just one small thing for this week for themselves because it's so important for them to be taking care of themselves. Or is there technology that would help them to take care of themselves, given they have limited time and, and usually a lot of stress? So I really like the quantified self wearables because they have made me more aware of my shortcomings, which tend to be sleep. Um, so just knowing that I had a three-hour night's sleep <laughs> um, is you know, woke me up, if you will, to the point where, you know, maybe I should not read in bed, go to bed a little earlier, turn off the computer at a certain hour, not bring it into the bedroom. So to sort of be aware. So sleep monitoring is something I think caregivers need to do for themselves. Um, And then I think foolish fun, you know, I mean, I am not above playing a game of Candy Crush just to unwind and do something dumb for a few minutes when I'm totally stressed. Uh, and I'll build on that. You know, really, the, the technology does not replace the caregivers. The t- technology is the tool to help caregivers uh, to, um, you know, care for their loved ones, care for, for more people, but also to prevent caregiver gr- burnout. And really, I, I would say, play that game. Uh, and you don't have to be, you know, a... a hardcore, you know, Xbox or PlayStation gamer. It's just pulling down that uh, social game on your phone uh, and taking a few minutes away from everything else that you're focused on uh, to, you know, play a quick game yeah. or watch a YouTube video or, or just, you know, something to, to spend a little time entertaining yourself. Yeah, you know, we I think use the tools to spread the wealth. You're going on a family vacation, that always fell to this tell to the caregiver, figure out where we're going, what day, put it on a spreadsheet, a Google Doc, and let everybody chime in. It's what we do in our family now, and it is so much less stressful for me, and also when it goes bad, it's not my fault anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. When it goes bad, it's not my fault anymore. (laughs) Exactly. You all weighed in on this excursion, so get over it. Um, Stephen, In many ways... It's, it sort of leveled it a little bit, right? Right. right. Robin, I need to, I, I, I hate to do this, but I need to stop both of you because I want both of you to give your contact information and your resources. And, and Robin, my new name for you now, what did you refer to yourself as? Master of the Cloud. I just love that. So, <laughs> <laughs> Robin, give us your contact information, website, the important information we need, we need sure. to have. Robin, R-O-B-I-N, at Robin Raskin, R-O-B-I-N-R-A-S-K-I-N, dot com. And my website is livingindigitaltimes.com. And we work very closely with Steve and the CTA and the CTA Foundation. Great. Stephen, 
very quickly. Can you give us your information? Sure. Our website is ctafoundation.tech, T-E-C-H, uh, and you can find all the information about all the grants and programs that we have there, uh, including our, our board of trustees, of which Robin is one of them. Um, and if anyone is interested in, in learning more about what we do, everything's there. Or you can find us on Twitter at CTA Foundation uh, is our handle there. Thank you so much, both of you. Um, I, I think this will mean a lot to many of our listeners, and you have great resources that I encourage all the caregivers to go and take a look at. And I think their point is well taken. You know, take a few minutes, play a game. I was on the plane yesterday. I watched a senior woman sitting next to me. She played for the entire two hours. Um, it was terrific. She told me she had just been through a stressful situation, and it really helped her out tremendously. Remember, to take care of others, you have to take care of yourself. Take good care. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in to Caught Between Generations with Dr. Mel Griff. Our program is live every Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We hope to see you here next week. 